previously 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 on world champion podcast Is that what, what is that? Is what's that, a fire what's that drill? noise? It sounds like a fire drill. I don't know what that is. It's like Do you, do you hear that loud metal creaking? Like it's, it sounds like something's about to break. No, I hear it, but I mean Sounds close. I, I'm just happy because the water seems to be draining out. Right. Because we're sideways. Oh, oh my god! Oh my we're god! Sideways. What's happening? Quick! <laughs> Quick! Grab the inflatable raft and throw it onto the ground so we have something soft to land on! Start blowing it up! The Ferris wheel is collapsing! Hurry! Everything collapses! Tugboat, save us! Uh, well, who's this? Ah, the fresh. But what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to Yanima Man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. Of course, nine months later. Father! If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. I'm inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. And I just want to Stunkite! Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. We're in the money, we're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. Recording from a luxury gondola in the Cloud District, high above Smogville, this is World Champion Podcast Season 3. My name is Brighton. And I am Sean. We are two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with the mysterious Senor Burro de Oro. Now we have the pleasure of recording the greatest podcast in the world. We talk about anything and everything we feel like. Forgotten corners of pop culture and other mysteries of the world. We talk good, we talk true, we talk fast. And you never know what you're going to get from episode to episode. And we, we do we don't not know. have a script. And we don't know either. We do not know either. So, we've been gone a while. Mm-hmm. Um, at least one of you noticed. I'm right. Someone must sure have of noticed. It. Yes. I, I didn't see very many flowers when I woke up from that coma. No, n- really none at all. And I kind I, of a bare room. I did set um I mean I set it to auto distribute some of our lost episodes cuz mm-hmm. basically for every episode that makes it to the air, mm-hmm. there's several that are just on the cutting room floor. We record 3 to 4 episodes a night. We release the best one. Right, the standards are high. Yeah, so I thought I had it set up in the event of any unexpected absences to release some of those forgotten episodes, those right, deleted right. scenes, as it were. But th- apparently that didn't happen. Well, we can't be blamed because we were crushed by 40 tons of, of molten steel. Not molten. Uh, no, twist, but it was, summer t- it was a hot it June was day. Hot. It was practically molten. It was twisted steel. We were barely, from what I've been told, we were saved by Spidora's husband. Spidoro. Spidoro. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, supposedly some kid got a picture of Spidoro, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Made it the newspaper. It's just weird that he was in the right place at the right time. And, and basically, the headline was, since Spidoro did save us from death, uh, that he was declared a menace. Yep, he was. A public menace. It do, um, yeah, it, which doesn't make sense to me, but that's, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, just to give some backstory for anyone who might be new to this, we, uh, we're in the town called Smogville. We don't really know where it is. We, we thought we were retired from podcasting. He offered us a very bad contract that we signed with he, Glee. Yeah. He being Mr. Pumpernickel, the owner and, and what else? And manager? Oh, owner, manager, operator, of, operator. The, of the Smogville World's Fair. Uh, general, generally just kind of a, a, a crummy dude, really. Yeah, I guess we're free to kind of speak more openly about yeah. him. He, he was just an awful, rotten guy to work for. Yeah. Um, we've had all sorts of adventures in Smogville. Listen to our old episodes if you, if you need more information on that. But, uh, yeah, we spent our, I mean, you know, people ask me, how'd you spend your summer vacation? In a coma. Yes, and bo- both of us in comas. Yeah, but uh, we're back now. I mean, you know, we woke up, yada, yada, yada. Now we're in a luxury gondola, and we have a solid cold hot tub. Right, things things are coming up hang, well. Hang on a second while I enjoy some of this complimentary champagne. Oh, on the rocks, even. I mean, the bottles on the rocks. 
we don't often pour our champagne into glasses filled with ice. Or no, do, you know, not why the, not? Not in the fall. Maybe in <laughs> summer. It's chilly up here in the in the cloud district. Yeah, it is. It's surprisingly very Alp-like. Lots lots of uh, uh, snow and ski Did resorts. Did you hear those birds this morning? I know it was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And then I saw a little fawn. Mm-hmm. At, maybe fawns are in season. They I don't are. Know. <laughs> I don't know. It's late in fawn season, but they're in they're in season. <laughs> yeah. a late bloomer. All right. Well, let's get back to it. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, we're gonna do our podcast. Right. Like we do. Um, so I think we should kind of hit some of our classic segments yeah. like we do uh, from time to time. Let's start off. It's been a long, interesting summer in the world of professional wrestling. So why not hit it with Oiled Boys? So you're the man that moves the world. You rule the world. Long enough, get ready. Come on, you want a piece of me? Come and get me. Now, first of all, I feel like this is very important because that clip you just heard, we've talked about it at least four or five times on the show. Right. We've given you the backstory. Up until a couple of weeks ago, the only version of that scene on the internet, which was one of the silliest things that's ever happened in professional wrestling. Now, yes. let that sink in. Yes. One of the silliest things that's ever happened in professional wrestling. That's saying a lot. That's <laughs> saying a hell of a damn lot. Uh, WWE finally uploaded a high-res version of that on their official YouTube. Yeah, which is incredible because the old one basically looked like you had fi- they'd filmed it on an old ter- one of those like British soap opera cameras from the eighties. Yeah, like they filmed Doctor Who on and then put on a VHS, which was then put on another VHS. It was very low quality. Yeah, which was then uploaded to YouTube via a webcam. <laughs> right. But now we've got it in all its glory. The Shockmaster. <laughs> it's beautiful. The audio still doesn't sync up. Yeah. (laughs) I thought the audio didn't sync up just because it was a bad VHS transfer. I sort of thought that too. But no, the audio doesn't sync up. Is someone sitting with a microphone? Like, who is doing the voice? It's not the Shockmaster in the helmet, right? Yeah. So someone's backstage with a mic, and they forgot to get him a monitor? I don't know. I don't know, because you can see Shockmaster gesturing and and stuff like he's talking and pointing. And then there's no sound. And then the sound kicks in. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll, we'll put that on it's, our Facebook. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's good to see it in, in high definition, just like our show is now in high definition. Yeah, that's nice. These solid gold microphones? Yeah, it's been a nice... It's, it's finally... We're getting the treatment we deserve. Yeah, I don't think I've ever sounded better. We haven't. We've had never had such rich, lush voices. Traffic and weather on the nines. Um, but what happened this summer? Uh, was there an ambulance match? There's an ambulance. Was there a Punjabi prison match? There was the Punjabi prison. Which one should we talk about first? Let's talk about the ambulance match first. Now, when what event was that? It wasn't SummerSlam. God, I don't even. Was know it Money it was in the for. Bank? It was. I think it was Money in the Bank. I, I could be. I can't even remember at this point. It's, I, I'm hazy from the coma drugs. Right. The point is that Roman Reigns, the big dog. Yep. Who retired The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And therefore, it is his yard now. It's his yard. Uh, his catchphrase is, it's my yard now, because <laughs> I am the big dog. So his catchphrase was taken from an airbrushed T-shirt in 1994. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, this is on the back of, of T-shirts from kids I went to high school with. Yeah. Right next to their big Johnson shirts. <laughs> Giant fire hoses. And... Yeah, all kinds of... Of, of suggestive long things. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, who is a big, strong guy with just the sweetest little baby face. Yes. Which he, is why I can't, I can't really be a fan of his either. He's got some weird nostrils. His one nostril. Way weird nostrils. Is like a, it's like his face. When they do those, those images of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where half the face is, is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's how his nostrils are. One is Dr. Jekyll nostril, just normal. The other is Mr. Hyde wild nostril. Take a look next time you see him, and you'll, it, it, you'll never unsee it. He's often got, like, boogers and stuff coming out of his nose. It's disgusting. Well, I, th- I feel like they tell him to flare his nostrils to look more tough because he looks like, even with his big beard and big muscles, he still looks like a troll doll. Right. Like a cute little chubby face troll doll so they're like no you gotta look scary flare those with flare your nostrils braun i've often imagined him without the beard and it would be like a like a cabbage patch kid face uh-huh 
with his wild nostrils. I, he looks a lot like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, too. Mm. He's got a lot of that going on. Yeah, big time. His personality is very Ogre-like as well. Yeah, and he has had the same pair of pants his entire career. Mm-hmm. No, they've changed a little bit. They've modified. <laughs> I've been watching the pants. <laughs> okay. They change them here and there. They're, they're subtle, but he's got a look. He's grown on me a ton. I used really? to think he was the worst. I love him now, mainly because he's been beating up Roman Reigns for months, I guess. Yeah. So what, what's the stipulation on this ambulance match? For, it, for a long time, I was asking around because I didn't know. Because I, I, an ambulance match, it seems odd, first of all, that the, the hospitals and the EMTs would agree to something like this. To just where, take an ambulance out of commission. We're going to take an ambulance down to the arena, and the first person that gets put into that ambulance, take them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to be very injured. Yeah. So it's almost like minority report of, of like ambulance injuries or something. <laughs> Like they know it's gonna, they know someone's gonna be injured before they're actually injured. Bring the ambulance down. Yeah. Someone's gonna go in. Park it. it at the end of the aisle. <laughs> and the match starts in the ring, but the stipulation is: in order to win, you have to throw your opponent into the back of an ambulance and shut the doors. And right. I wish every sport was like that, where there were just a whole lot of different ways to win. Yeah. It's always just scoring more points or runs than the other team. How great would football be if sometimes there was like a giant wooden fence at the end at the end zone that you had to break through like Kool-Aid Man or something? Yeah. Or other times there was a big slip and slide. You had to slide the last 20 yards, you know? Yeah, just stipulations. The, the umpire comes out, the referee. Or they have to climb up the like some pole and tear down a flag or something. <laughs> tear down the Book of Doom. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to talk about the local wrestling we've been enjoying oh, as well. Oh, yes. Um, and the, some of the, the, the star sightings we've seen, celebrity sightings yeah. around town. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to World Series Game 3. Your Cleveland Indians versus your Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. Mm. In order to win this game, <laughs> Clayton Kershaw must drink 47 slushies yeah. before the Indians can... <laughs> Can fill the dugout with sunflower seeds. It'll be also something totally different. Like you, you can't instead of a, a baseball bat, you have a tennis racket, stuff like that, or, or one hand tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw has to be blindfolded. Yeah, as he pitches. Yeah, <laughs> that would make sports a lot more fun. Yeah, it'd be more like that a uh, basketball movie. Yeah, or speaking like, of Long Johnsons, like, like Calvin Ball. <laughs> oh yeah, Calvin Ball. Like it's Calvin actually more Ball. like Calvin Ball. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to put... I, I at first thought you had to put them in the, in the ambulance as far... Not, not literally, but, like... Well, I mean, literally in a different oh, way. Oh, you meant you thought that they, they just had, had to beat them to the point they, where they yeah. required medical attention. Right. I didn't realize it was just... That's horrifying. Get it, throwing them in there. Yeah. Or oh, what yeah, actually or happened. What so, are, yeah. So they start out in the ring. They, they march down the aisle. They're fighting on the ramp. They're throwing each other into lighting rigs. Mm-hmm. It was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh, I, I almost, I, I spit my drink out. Braun Strowman opens the doors to the back of the ambulance and stands in front of them. <laughs> Roman Reigns goes for his. <laughs> you know, it's so goofy one of, looking. One of his, yeah, one of his moves is the spear where he kind of just tackles you. It's so goofy looking to see in real life. I wish you were seeing this, listener. Yes. Dear listener. <laughs> he just gets out of the way. Roman goes to tackle him and he just gets out of the way. Yeah. Braun just gets out of the way. <laughs> Roman dives head first, like he's sliding into home, and he, mm-hmm. like he's Pete Rose sliding into home plate. Right, just dives right into the ambulance. Braun casually slams the door shut. It, it, and you could almost hear the ole or like yeah. like some kind of whistle. Yeah, when he, <laughs> I even think someone online put that like drum beat Scooby Doo run like. <laughs> yeah, they did. So it was it was hilarious. It was yeah. a beautiful thing. Is was that the same one where Roman then went crazy? Right. So then <laughs> Wait, how does Braun get back into the I don't remember how that happened. I feel like I feel like Roman then goes nuts and gets out of the ambulance somehow. Or was it earlier when he wrecked the ambulance? No, that was that was after the match. Braun is declared the winner at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, for some reason, Braun is then in the back of the ambulance. Yeah. Was that, was that the same event? It That's m- what I can't remember it, now. It might be, yeah, it might be that he needed legitimate medical attention. Because he, yeah, they mess each other up. Yeah, I think, I think maybe he actually needed the ambulance. So they're like, okay, Roman, get out of there. He needs an ambulance. Somehow Roman, we're backstage, and the ambulance is taking off with Braun in the back. Mm-hmm. And 
the camera reveals that Roman's in the driver's seat. <laughs> WWE officials are powerless to stop this. No, he throws the EMT guy out. Yeah. He, like, th- throws him out, which yeah. is, which, that guy didn't, is only doing his job of transporting yeah. someone to the hospital. Then he backs the ambulance at, like, 60 miles an hour directly into a dumpster. In the most high- Crushing the ambulance. <laughs> in, the, in the most highest security uh, parking garage in the world. Yeah. Because there are seven or eight different cameras that all capture it. Yeah, that's true. Which, I mean, it makes you feel safe. If you're going to that arena, whatever it was, you can park your car down there, leave the, leave the doors unlocked. Yeah. Because if someone breaks into your car, they're going to have every angle. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll get away with it, but we'll see it. Mm-hmm. And then he just walks away. And now, I, I, mean, I don't believe it, he walked away. <laughs> Braun Strowman is now trapped in the back, to, back of this crushed ambulance. They can't get the door open. It was a little scary. He might be dead. I, I sort of wondered if they had tricked... Like, this is where the, the lines in wrestling get blurry to me. Right. Of reality and kayfabe and stuff. Did they liter- Did Vince liter- literally just trick him into getting into the back of the van and just be like, you'll be fine? Yeah, that's the thing. For, for all the talk about how wrestling's fake, the guy running the show, Vince McMahon, is an insane person. Yeah, he's a functional psychopath. Right, and you can see him being like, well, what are you, cow? What are you, wimp? Yeah. Just he's going to drive the... Hold on to something! And he's like a brand new wrestler, so Braun wants to, to get on top, you yeah. know, so he's going to do whatever it takes. Well, just brace yourself against a wall! So, because Roman really does ram it into the wall at 30 or 40 miles an hour. It's terrifying. If you were in the back of that, you would be thrown against the, the just jagged metal and yeah. stuff. Or is, was there a bunch of like mattresses back there or something? I don't think it was a switcheroo. I don't think they did it, and then he like climbed in a secret hatch or anything. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. Well, he was real bloody once they got him out. Yeah, and again, there's a lot of variations here. It could have been movie blood. I think it was It real. could be that while they were struggling to free him, he was back there slicing his own body with razor blades to produce blood. <laughs> Which, I love that that's a, a legitimate possibility in this world. Yeah. That he could just be back there slicing himself with razor blades. In order to get blood for, for our <laughs> entertainment. Or, know, he, it, or he was legitimately hurt. In I that know. scenario, movie blood would work perfect. You could use fake blood in that scenario. Yeah. But I am leaning towards he actually was in there with no padding and j- yeah. did get thrown against the wall. And I'm leaning towards all the blood was real. So it's, it's pretty gruesome. It's a practice in wrestling where you hide a razor blade, a tiny portion of a razor blade in your wrist tape mm-hmm. or even in your mouth. And when the audience is distracted, you cut your forehead. Yeah. And then it starts bleeding like crazy. Now, we went to a local show, local wrestling. It's out by the airport. Yep. And these two competitors bladed. It's called blading. They bladed. Yes. Before the fucking match started. Yeah. They literally are ringing the bell, and both these guys already have streams of blood coming from their forehead. Which you're supposed to sort of believe that they got this injury somehow. So if you yeah. are, are bleeding once you get in the ring, you are just, I don't know they what They should the have deal. just not started the match. Yeah. It, it, seemed, it seemed odd. It seemed a little, a little premature. Yeah. And I was a little upset when they came tumbling into the audience. I had to get out of my chair to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they got blood all over my chair. That's right. I threw it in the garbage can. Right, I took. A, I have a photo of it. I, we can yeah. post this on on the Instagram. Yeah, I threw it in the trash. But then, luckily, I mean, I know it was safe because then a kid with a rag and some Windex came and, and wiped the blood off. <laughs> he didn't have gloves on. Yeah, he had a rag and Windex. Windex <laughs> kills hepatitis, right? <laughs> it's very much a Temple of Doom kind of thing going on there because there's there's. That's a whole separate thing. I don't want to get into yeah. the children running the cameras, <laughs> right? Like legit little children, yeah, running all the cameras, but. But yeah, so that was a that was a great match. The ambulance match really really was fun for us. Not so fun for those two bloody beaten grown men. Yeah. But what's what's more horrifying than than a, a car accident? A terrible kind of Punjabi prison. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds cool. Here's what I know about uh, the Punjab region. Okay. Because it's it's like part of India or it's next to India mm-hmm. and everyone there is a Sikh. Okay. I don't know. I don't, outside of wrestling, I don't know them to be famous for their prisons. They must be. Punjabi prisons must be awful prisons because just hearing that, the way they say it makes it sound like this is the worst possible place you could be thrown into jail. Yeah. The Punjabi prison. 
And and if a, a real Punjabi prison runs the way the wrestling one does, it's kind of a a great prison to break out of. Right, because a, a big bamboo cage with doors that open sometimes. It's, it's bamboo. <laughs> yeah, there's four doors that are each open for two minutes. Like the and then one one will drop, and then the next one in two more minutes will drop. So you have eight minutes to get out of prison, yeah. which which might be enough time. I don't know, but I, I feel like you could. If you're really quick thinking, orchestrate a prison break immediately when you get thrown in Punjabi prison. Now, that, this was a match between Jinder Mahal, the, and, the heavyweight champion, right. and Randy Orton, the snake in a man's body. Right. Yeah. And this is about their fourth or fifth time wrestling. I was getting, like, I think they're still going to, I think the next pay-per-view they're going to fight again. The, the nice thing is that because of the thick bamboo walls of the prison, you couldn't really see the match. Right. Unless it was through the open doors. I wondered what it was like live. I kept thinking, are you? Can you see nothing? If you are on, if you're on the kind of bottom floor, can you see better? Maybe. I don't it, know. They're kind of hard to see. You know, like Hell yeah. in a Cell is a great match, but it kind of sucks because it's behind a cage. Yeah, I don't think they could have seen anything. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, Jinder Mahal, you're you're a fan. I love Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I don't I don't like him. He's he's also got. He's over-flaring his nostrils. <laughs> I think that's the direction they get, is if you're supposed to be a tough guy, you flare your nostrils. I like that he has two manservants. That I get a kick out of. And that he, he's very much... He's, he's like an old-school like comic book villain. Like he has henchmen that get his wrath if they don't please him. Yeah. They just, and on a recent episode of SmackDown, they failed him, and so he, he, they, they kissed his feet. And it was my favorite moment with two two men kissing another man's feet. I do know that in pop culture, though, a thing that you hate is when a guy shoots his own henchman. Yes. I, I'm against killing henchmen. I'm not against henchman abuse. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, there's, there's a line I yeah, draw. Yeah, that's a good point. That's like, I feel point. like I feel like Dr. Octopus can beat up his henchman. I just, I don't think you should kill him, kill a henchman when something's gone wrong that's not even their fault at all. Yeah. Or slightly their fault. See, like, going with the, the Dr. Octopus example, he knows how hard it is to, to beat Spider-Man. So if you're upset to the point you're going to kill a henchman for, for not being thwarted or for being thwarted by Spider-Man, you should kill yourself because Spider-Man's literally your biggest nemesis. Yeah. So you're like, oh, of course you failed. You're just an idiot henchman. Right. That's Spider-Man. Yeah. You know? You're a guy in a striped shirt and a little cap. Right. And you're all wearing matching clothes. Like, of course you failed. I can't beat him, and I am a genius, you know? Yeah. So that bothers me when, when henchmen are killed. But you can rough them up, make them kiss your feet, like hurt them, break their fingers. Like, that's, that's great. All great stuff. You know, we might need some henchmen ourselves. Oh, definitely. Speaking of rivalries, mm-hmm. we have our own uh, sort of Doc Ock Spider-Man level rivalry going on. Yeah. Uh, uh. In, the, in the time we were gone, a new podcast emerged in Smogville. Right. The Blue Ribbon Podcast. The Blue... I can, I can barely say it. My teeth are clenching thinking of it. No, it's awful. They, they basically... They moved on to the carousel. It's, it's Slick James and Squeaky... <laughs> it's Squeaky P. Martini. Yeah. His... his uh... <laughs> it's so bizarre because it's a ventriloquist act mm-hmm. on the radio. Right. Slick James and Squeaky Bee Martini. And, he, and he's not even that great of a, a, a ventriloquist. Which is really weird. I guess that's why he's doing radio. Because oh, he couldn't... He couldn't cut it in live act. Yeah. Makes sense. So he's doing his radio ventriloquist act. They've been at it for just a few weeks. They're already sponsored. They're sponsored by Audible. Right. They're sponsored by MeUndies. Mm-hmm. They're sponsored by three different companies that send you food in a box. Oh, the thing that makes me the most upset is... Now that we can talk bad about Mr. Pumpernickel, this awful piece of shit, mm-hmm. I've heard they're rebuilding the Ferris wheel better. State-of-the-art stuff. They're actually, there's a town safety inspector now. Yeah. Who's but, not a drunk. Right. <laughs> they got rid of the, the drunk guy. Yeah. Who's always drunk. No, he'd, he'd inspect some, when he'd, he, he would come and inspect the Ferris wheel, and he'd find some sort of terrible malfunction. Mm-hmm. And you know what he'd do? He'd rub his eyes. <laughs> Look at the bottle. He'd look at the bottle, he'd look back at it, and then he'd pour the bottle in the garbage. Yeah. And then he'd walk away to buy another bottle. Right. Because he just poured his out. It's, it's, it was a strange behavior. It happened every time. We lose more good booze that way. 
You come over, look at the, the sparks flying out of the electrical cords sticking out, rub his eyes really hard, look wildly at that bottle, yeah. dump it out again. Every time. That's every month, man. Kept, uh, kept the corn man in business, though. The guy selling that fermented corn. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so don't bring it up to us. We are now the number two podcast in Smogville, but yeah. number one in height, because although we were 30, 40 feet off the ground in the Ferris wheel, we are now hundreds of feet off the ground in this gondola oh, so that crisp. connects the Cloud District to lower Smogville. It's so crisp up here. It is it's crisp. wonderful. I get up in the morning. I just throw the windows open. Throw back the sash. Mm-hmm. Smell that crisp air. Hear the birds chirp. And just wave. wave. There's, that, there's that woman down in that field that sings in the morning. Right. She just spins in circles singing. There's yeah. people. You can wave at the skiers. And it feels good to be around people that are rich because I just feel like this is where we belong. It's always been where we belong. It really. is, huh? Yeah. yeah. I always thought that. Even, even in the Ferris wheel of death. <laughs> of death and doom. Boy, talk about a Punjabi prison. Yeah. All right. Well, it's only fitting that we are essentially returning from summer break like so much school child mm. because uh, I finally finished my years-long quest to watch every episode of Degrassi Junior High. And when I say years-long quest, you might be thinking, wow, were there like three, 400 episodes? No, there was what, 30 episodes, 40? But you've got to digest But it took me years. You've got to digest them. You've got to watch one every few weeks. Mm-hmm. And let, let them soak them in. Let them seep into your mind. Yeah, but uh, now it's time for a new segment that I, I'm sure will be our most popular, the Degrassi High Minute. Wake up in the morning, I gotta shake the feeling, I gotta face the day of school. I've got a bone to pick with you. This used to be a real high school. Now it's full of little kids. Because you went and burned down yours. Yes, Degrassi Junior High came to an end, and now it's Degrassi High. We've got the same characters. We've got some new ones. We've got some weird, wild stuff going on here. So uh, we start off, it's uh, the first day of high school for all these kids. Joey, who's sort of the con man, fast-talking guy who thinks he's cool, but deeply inside he's kind of, you know, he's got issues he's working through. He's becoming a better person. So he puts on a maroon velvet fedora, (laughs) which is a great start. To high school. <laughs> you, want a, you want the best first impression. If I could do it again. To all the women. If I could do it all over again. <laughs> um, Arthur, the fat kid whose mom won the lottery and he got rich, he's now in a beret. Uh, his friend Yik Yu now has a dangly earring. Almost everyone has a dangly earring now. How much time has passed? Just the summer? Just the summer. Everyone grew up. Uh, they all, they're all huge men They're now. all kind of huge. I mean, you know, those, you know, those sort of like weird mutant-y things that men become... Oh, yeah. At age, like, 15. Yeah. What do they call them? Uh, They they have them in the X-Men. Yeah. Morlocks. Morlocks. Yeah. You know how every one of us, it was a Morlock at one point. Definitely. So they're in the Morlock phase. What's interesting about this one is um, Degrassi Junior High, even though it's only a matter of a year or two, uh, the fashions and stuff I only recognized from pop culture. I didn't live these weird 80s fashions that they were rocking in Degrassi Junior High. Mm-hmm. Degrassi High, we are now squarely into my wheelhouse. Oh. Of, like, when I first became aware of life. Uh-huh. So these, now we're, we're wearing weird clothes and stuff that I personally remember and experienced. <laughs> so that's a whole fun new thing. Um, we've got an updated theme song. It's the same basic track, but it's a, a little edgier. It's a little more snap to it okay it's um, like the grunge version of their peppy little not song. quite not quite not quite grunge but a little less uh, a little more organic i would okay. say a little less synthy okay and uh and and here's the really interesting thing is that the final shot of the credits is a close-up of a butthole <laughs> bold choice yeah yeah no it's really weird it's like showing all the kids it's like sort of not quite stop motion but where you're showing like pictures in a sequence, but they're not animated. It's like, you know uh, what I'm tr- like true stories of the highway patrol, like that kind of thing. Like, uh, it's like the, Oh, I know what it's like. It's like, Oh, is it reading rain? No, reading rainbow has an animated thing at the beginning. Yeah. Where it's pictures, but they're, they're not in sequence enough to like be a smooth motion, but it's like hinted at. We'll just play. Is it, it like aha, uh-huh, that aha uh-huh music video yeah, or bit. that's too animated. Yeah. I mean, that's actually cartoon. It's just photos. Okay. Like that have been like really overly processed. Um, but anyway, then the last shot, it, like, zooms in on some girl's butt. 
uh, in her jeans, and she's got a wedgie, and then like the Degrassi high logo, and then it freezes. Degrassi high logo shows up, like superimposed on the butt cheek with the wedgied butt crack right there. It's really, really strange. It's really strange. That's what they chose to do the freeze frame on is yeah. a, a girl's butt? Yeah, with a wedgie. Wow. Weird. Yeah, this is this is off to a strange start already. I've, yeah. I've heard some strange stuff from these Degrassi episodes, but this is, let's come out swinging, swinging for the fences. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're catching up with all our characters. Uh, we don't get a lot of time with, with all of them, um, except the twins. Um, there's some tension there. Obviously, one of them is pregnant. Oh, and uh, number one high school problem. Yeah, and the other the other one in a TV show. Despite the fact that twins, I thought shared the same brain. The other one is pretty oblivious to it. Hmm. That you know, she's barfing in the morning. Her breasts are sore. <laughs> she hooked up with a guy over the summer and is no longer a V I R G I N. I forgot the, how no nonsense this show is. Yeah, this show is has no time for nonsense. <laughs> um. Spike, uh, the girl who got pregnant in junior high and has crazy hair, now looks exactly like what a modern, like, contemporary hipster looks like. Really? Because the 90s fashions are back so hard. Wow. That, like, if you went to a uh, concert. Like nowadays, you mean? Yeah, I was trying to think of a band to drop, and then I couldn't think of one, which is weird because I listen to music. I know it's it's like when you want to buy a book and you go to the bookstore and suddenly you can't pick a, you can't think of a single book or yeah. author you even like. Yeah, but no, she she would except for her crazy hair, which is still just absurd. Pretty pretty wild. She'd be right. She'd fit right in in an Urban Outfitters catalog. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. Is that comforting to you or terrifying? Um, I guess it's comforting. It's just the circle of life. When I was in high school. Um, I was wearing Led Zeppelin t-shirts and ripped up jeans. Right. And there was a certain group of girls that were wearing bell bottoms and 70s kind of stuff. Is this going to get to, what, what are they called? Uh, is it a Event Horizon or Singularity? Like critical Mass or something? Like, yeah. So like we fa- run out? Fashion loops are in big loops. Is it going to get in tighter and tighter loops? So pretty soon, retro clothes are from five years ago. Or is every fashion all at the same time? You know it's I mean? all going to evolve. Like, remember, and then in high school, so I said, there was like a 60s, 70s thing going. Uh-huh. But then a bunch of schmucks showed up in their, like, 50s Kramer shirts. Right. And people were swing dancing. So it'll just keep hopping around and then uh, evolving. But will it just morph, like, morph to the point that everything is one fashion? Like, it is not, there's not even distinctions anymore. You can wear anything together. You could have... Yeah, because of the internet and how weird it is. Right. You know, everyone's all connected now. <laughs> That's just, I sound so dumb. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're not a uh, more popular show. Yeah. Or else, I know, we or don't... else we'd be holding this up. Like, like, I sound like Brian Gumbel going, what is an email address? <laughs> like, yes, I think because of the internet, yeah. things are different now. <laughs> well, one of the you great know what things, I mean? The best thing about being the second most popular podcast in Smogville is you don't ever have to worry about sounding stupid because it doesn't matter. Right. Because there's, there's very few people that aren't listening to Blue Ribbon to Podcast. Blue Ribbon. Like, if they did yeah. this faux pas, they would be laughed out of town. Yeah. But well, here's, here's what I'm trying to say is, let's say it's 1989. And maybe you are watching MTV. Maybe you're getting catalogs. Maybe you went on vacation to New York. Or maybe your dress. mom buys all your clothes. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, or for the most part, your mom buys all your clothes. <laughs> but if you, so you go on vacation to New York, you see how the cool kids are dressing. You come home and try to replicate it. Mm-hmm. You're going to look way different from everyone else you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people think it's cool. Maybe most people think you're a weirdo, even though you're on high fashion. Now, nowadays, you can go onto Reddit, and it's like, look what this cool guy in Singapore is wearing. Right. This is a graffiti artist in Singapore, and he's wearing these, this crazy outfit. And it's on Reddit, and 100,000 people see it and think it's cool and replicate it. Mm-hmm. So there's not as much of a slow burn. Right. So things can spread around really quickly. And uh, something that would, in your small town, look insane, you know, suddenly everyone could be doing it within a week. And then a week later, they're doing something else. It's true. Fashion is, is much accelerated, huh? That's yeah. the only difference. Just everything. Everything is yeah. a lot quicker and faster. Mm-hmm. So I would I would start looking like a chubby Tony Hawk a lot quicker in 1990. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. What worries me is uh, I'm afraid that the worst time for any kind of aesthetics, because mm. it's not just fashion. I mean, just the colors and the designs that 90s 
Trapper Keeper, Saved by the Bell thing. It was a rough time. I, I'm worried that like 2002 or 1999 is going to come back, uh-huh. where we're wearing like really thin sunglasses <laughs> and uh, leather pants with lots of straps on them, and everything is faux metal and pointy, mm-hmm. like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies logo, oh, or yeah. the Matrix, or a disturbed. Lot of, a, a lot of late 90s basketball jerseys were like almost like graffiti. Yeah, like like the, the they're awful fonts, and everything was supposed to look like metal. It was a dark time for fonts. Yeah, uh, yeah, every font was pointy and metal, and then there was that Mountain Dew green glow over everything, thanks to the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, every all the clothes were like it's really come complicated. Back, right? It's it's just that's the way it goes, right? Yeah. Well, who cares? Yeah, fuck it. So. There's a bully group now like in the high school. A bully gang? A bully gang. And, you know, they all wear Degrassi Letterman jackets. Because <laughs> I, I like the gang that's like, look, the basis of our gang is high school pride, man. <laughs> and if they're so proud of going to Degrassi High, why are they beating up the people that also go to Degrassi High? That doesn't Maybe make sense. Maybe they're, they're not up to snuff. They, they haven't met the high standards of Degrassi High. Yeah. So this gang is mind-blowing. Um, there's a fat kid, uh-huh. and I was the whole time I'm watching this, I'm wondering, who does he look like? And it finally hit me. Looks exactly like Guy Fieri would have looked in high school. <laughs> you take away the bleached so hair really and the cool. goatee. So really cool. Really yeah. cool. Now take away the goatee and the bleached spiky hair, and it's Guy Fieri's face. Exactly. This is the second conversation I've had today about how Guy Fieri would look without bleached hair. <laughs> today. Guy Fieri's been coming up so much in my conversations lately. That's strange. Yeah. But, but wonderful. Yeah. Uh, then there's a karate kid who's like always kind of perched on something. So everyone's standing there, and he's maybe perched on a rail. He's really tall and lanky, and he's got the Danielson headband. Oh, nice. And then there's this girl. Um, uh, there's a girl bully. There's a girl bully. I keep thinking she has gauged ears, but she just has like hoop earrings. Oh, okay. But if you're kind of not paying attention, it looks like she has gauged ears. Um, sort of like a young Rosario Dawson. Okay. So you know how bullies and bad guys and villains, they got a thing like maybe they got a toothpick in their mouth, mm-hmm. cigarette, a cigar. Maybe right. they're picking their teeth with a switchblade. So this girl's got a thing, too. She gets up in your face and bullies you, then pulls out a spoon and helps herself to a spoonful of peanut butter. (laughs) Wow. In every scene, she's got a jar of peanut butter and a spoon. And she's like, yeah, take that, fat kid, and then licks some peanut butter off a spoon. Is this like... Where do you you think this was? She brought this to the table. Like this young actress is like, well, I gotta make this character mine. I gotta come up. You know, how actors have to come yeah. up with a backstory. Yeah. Do you think she did this, or do you think in the writers' room they were sitting around going, all right, okay, well, how do we how do we make this character interesting? I don't know. Have her eating eat, eating something. <laughs> Peanut butter, good enough. I do know from an interview I heard with Spike recently, an adult Spike, that she brought her character to the table herself. Oh, I and think then, you've mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, and then knowing how much the uh, the writers sought verisimilitude, mm-hmm. I bet I'm guessing she brought that. Well, this is how she's you. Like, what if I was eating peanut butter? And they're like, "Is that is that something teens do?" And she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> all right." Collaboration always makes art better. Yeah, all all the things that have like when movies work really well and you read about them behind the scenes, there's either an absolute psychopath in charge. Yeah. Who is who is willing to to kill people for his vision, or it's everybody working together? Yeah, those are the two ways to make great art. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's it. That's about it. Yeah. Um, so the band, the kids in the band, Zit Remedy, that's oh, Snake, love. Wheels, and Joey. Uh, they all get bullied at various points. Snake gets covered in flour, <laughs> or maybe it's, I think it happens to Wheels too. Oh no, Wheels gets covered in shaving cream. Mm-hmm. Wheels now has um a, a ponytail thing but he's got like regular hair on the front <laughs> oh no it's not like he has long hair pulled back into a ponytail it's like he has totally regular hair that's like guy and that works a at a gas station in, in a, a small hick town in yeah. a movie yeah um that's such a bad look that can never come into fashion and look good can it no normal never. hair with a ponytail so i tried to watch the after seeing the movie it mm-hmm. i tried to go back and watch the miniseries mm-hmm. and uh 
the grown up, what's his name, Bill, the stuttering kid. Yeah, Big Bill. Yeah, so he's a grown up now. The movie starts out with him getting a phone call, and then he stands up and he's rocking that look too. No, where it looks totally like normal businessman dad hair in the front, and then his ponytail was long. It went down to mid back. No, I wish yeah. you wouldn't have told me that because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm reading it right now. Oh no, and I'm sort of picturing I don't know why, but I'm sort of picturing Bill as John Ritter kind of look. I don't know why. Well, John Ritter's in the miniseries, I, too, but I he's think not that, Bill. I he's, think that uh, might be why. Yeah. He's not Bill. He's, uh, I don't remember who he is, but. Is is he? Uh, him and uh, Harry Anderson from Night Court are also in the miniseries. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm watching it as soon as I finish the book. I'm almost done. The miniseries or the movie? I'm watching the movie, then the miniseries. Yeah, good, good call. Because I want to watch do that, that last. Because I think I'll have the biggest laugh out of the mi- I've heard the miniseries is terrible. I remember it not being. I remember as a little kid watching it and thinking it wasn't cool, and I thought everything was cool. Like you could, I watched terrible movies and thought they were really great films. So if I thought it was kind of stupid, it's got a really got. Did you finish the whole thing? Isn't it like four hours long? Yeah. Now I'm realizing we're gonna have to watch it and do an episode about it, aren't we? Yes. Yep. Yes. 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 Yep. For Halloween month. All right. All right. Deal. Um. And that's a lot about, that's the whole book is about bullies. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, what else is going on? They're, they're thinking of renaming Zit Remedy, because that's a, a terrible name for a band. Uh, the alternate name they come up with is the Barf Bags. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I like that. What are my, what are my notes? Uh, they finally decide to call themselves three, because there's three of them. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, that's not good. Uh, at some point, some girls get bullied in the quad. They're tied up. The number nine is written on their heads in lipstick, and their underpants are on the outside of their clothes. Good God. Which is interesting because they're reading Lord of the Flies. The un- underpants the they were wearing? I guess. They were just there with their clothes on, and then their bras and underpants on the outside. This is a tied, crime. Tied to a pole with writing on their head. That's a crime. This yeah. has been elevated from a, a high school prank to a crime. Yeah. A sex crime. They need to call SVU. Yeah. Um... The, the twins, the, the twin admits that she thinks she's pregnant. Um, the other twin suggests uh, an abortion, and they forget it because the minister told us that we can't do that. Takes a pregnancy test, and it, does, it shows that she's not the mother. You are not the mother! <laughs> but she's still having symptoms. The results are in! Yeah. <laughs> um, My favorite show ever, maybe. Yeah. Oh, this high school, by the way, has a daycare, so that's nice. Um, we meet this uh, that's kid. That's socialism, man. That's Canada for you. Yeah. Oh, a lot of the old teachers are there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, in the high school. In the high school. The junior high teacher's there. And they're like, oh, yeah, I transferred over the summer. Oh, he's been promoted, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Is that, how, is that how school promotions work? Yeah, you get promoted to high school. High school. Then if you do good enough in high school, you become a college teacher. Yeah. And then 10 years, the very top. Yeah, that's it. That's, how, that's the track, yeah. Nice. You start out as a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Then, babys- then preschool. Then you're a tutor. Uh huh. Wow. Uh, we do meet. I'm gonna have to get a screen cap of this guy and post it. We meet Ultimate '90s Man. Oh, even though this is '89. I like the sound of that. Round glasses. Okay. Suspenders. Okay. Like floppy hair with tons of gel in it. <laughs> okay. Go a goatee, just a chin part of the goatee. <laughs> uh, a puffy shirt buttoned up all the way. Wow. And then a dangly like cross earring in one ear. Oh my god. It almost sounds like Kramer in disguise or something. Yeah. The description. Yeah. Wow. And then we meet a new teacher who's like a cool guy and he'll probably end up being a molester, I don't know. I'm sure. Also like super high, really flowing khakis. <laughs> and then like a white t shirt. <laughs> that was a very nineties thing. And then a sport coat with the sleeves pull- pushed up. I think I had some super baggy pleated khakis when I was in junior high. Yeah. And I, I'd wear like a white turtleneck with them. It's so fun to look up the old catalogs and see these guys <laughs> with their round glasses and their ponytail haircuts oh, and man. just the baggiest, baggiest <laughs> dockers you've ever seen. Right. <laughs> We're like diaper dockers. So our, our cliffhanger at the end, and as I've described every time I've talked about the show, is the show almost always ends with something horrible happening mm-hmm. and then a freeze frame and then back to the really bouncy, happy music. Right. This one is her checking her second pregnancy test. And she goes, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the music. Oh, goodness. So I'm really looking forward to this, this new season. Wow. It, before we continue, in the, the It TV series, yeah. 
describe his hair a little bit more in detail because in the book, as I recall, he is balding. He's like just normal man's hair, and he's balding. Is stuttering Bill's hair. But you're saying that that he has a ponytail that goes the middle of his back, and then just a normal like spiky short haircut. No, not like spiky, not like Billy Ray Cyrus, but like a normal like '90s guy haircut where it looks kind of blow dried. It's kind of it's not long, but it's like. So it's almost you know like, it's kind of like he's got like tiny like uh, like a little bit of bangs like a teenage girl's hair kind of like a puffy hair and then a I'm, I'm picturing like Clarissa explains it all or something. I mean it's a yeah it's a little bit puffy. Oh, this um, is horrifying. But not puffy, it's just that blow dried look. You know how the guys in the '90s like Jerry Seinfeld. It's like Jerry Seinfeld in the front. That is such a bad idea because right 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 off the bat I'm going to be rooting for Pennywise. You're going to be like, oh, God, please kill this guy. <laughs> Does he have a mustache, too? I don't remember. He might also have a mustache. Okay, I can't wait for this episode. This is going to blow my mind. I might not even watch it until right before we record the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let me, let me just find him here. He's played by uh, yeah, the Losers Club. So John Ritter is Ben. No. Ben Hanscom. Which one's Ben Hanscom? Ben's the fat kid that becomes the architect. Okay. That's uh, John Ritter? Yeah. He's, he's my favorite character. Oh, and then uh, Harry Anderson. Oh, wow. Harry Anderson is Richie. Okay, he's the, the radio loudmouth guy. Yeah, and uh, Seth Green is young Richie. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cute little Seth Green. Oh, I'm excited for this. Okay, this, this has got me in a, a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, the movie's really good. You should also be excited about that. Um, I might go Oh, my God. That. Okay, so, here's, so he's got these... He's got like, um, wow! He's got those aviator like George R. R. Martin glasses. <laughs> um, his, his hair's like parted; it like sort of comes down like over his eyebrow, uh-huh. and then around the back, and then just the long ponytail. Here's a picture that just gives you a very slight hint of it. Oh no! Oh my gosh, that's so weird. He's supposed to be a writer. Is he supposed to be? Is that supposed to be cool? Do you think Stephen King thought that was cool? And those glasses, how are those glasses ever cool? God, I wonder if I just... They're so common. Maybe I'm just imagining someone that just looks like a normal man, and in the book he has hair like that. I'll have to... <laughs> you're going to start reading it, right? Yeah. You're going to have to let me know if there's a description of him. And that's, of his hair. And it describes his hair as a puffy bangs and a long ponytail and back. It's been a long time since I've read Stephen King, mm-hmm. but um, George R. R. Martin famously in his books goes out of his way to describe everybody's outfit and armor and stuff in great detail and to describe all the meals. Mm-hmm. So it'd be funny if Stephen King's thing was that he went into great detail describing everybody's hair. <laughs> he kind of does. He kind of, at certain characters he does, he really describes smells a lot, smells and the way things look, which yeah. I guess that sounds stupid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Smells is big. I guess the last Stephen King I read was 11-22-63, and Smells were a huge part of that. He, he's, and it's very, he's really good at it. It really brings, like, you really get a feel for where you are. He's good at painting the atmosphere. Have you read much of his besides It? Uh, I've read uh, Salem's Lot, uh. and then I read Pet Cemetery when I was a kid and Needful Things, but I didn't like... I didn't finish Needful Things, and I didn't really like Pet Cemetery. Mm. But I'm also an idiot, so I'm like a <laughs> just picture a young idiot with a with, you know like a flat top and a ponytail. and a ponytail, <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm going to reread it. I'm, my my goal is to read nothing but Stephen King until the winter's over. Until you've read all of them. Yeah, I'm sort of going for that. I'm, I think I'm doing Cujo next. One of his signature moves is uh, people always have like stomach problems. Like in every story, there's someone has to run with diarrhea, or they throw up, or their stomachs like. There's been gurgling. some vo- there's been some vomiting in in it so far. Yeah. I'm I'm three quarters. Stand by it. me has the famous vomit thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he describes a lot of of like how, a body stuff. Like yeah. their your hands will be cold and your forehead hot, your mouth dry and <laughs> lips. Your hair like, luxurious and smooth with yeah. the perfect amount of bounce and body. He d- he describes the girl Bev's hair a lot because she has red hair, like red flowing hair. Mm. So maybe I just w- wasn't paying attention, and there was a full page just about <laughs> about stuttering Bill's beautiful mullet. <laughs> what do you even call that? Like it's it's a super mullet. It's like one step up from a mullet. Yeah, it's almost like 
a mullet at least make like has a continuous sort of silhouette to it. But it's, you've got that Steven Seagal ponytail. It's thing. kind of a sophisticated mullet. It's kind of like how we used to do a podcast in this shitty fair. And yeah. now we do a more sophisticated podcast in this gondola up above the shitty fair. Looking down upon Looking them. down upon all the, the people. The way I like to look at people from above. <laughs> exactly. And so I feel like it's the same sort of thing. Like someone, some like terrible white trash hillbilly is going to have awful mullet that they cut themselves or whatever. Yeah. But a sophisticated, smart man, he's going to you know, pull it back. Yeah. Get it? It's going to be shampooed. It's going to be well groomed. He's going to part it. He's part going to put it, mousse in back, it. Put on your glasses. I put mean, on your round glasses, and then, frankly, because he's so sophisticated, he pulls on his giant khakis two legs at a time. <laughs> well, there you could. That's the only way to do it. It's an easy target when the legs are so gigantic, right? Where you could put both legs in one one leg sleeve. Yeah. So it's just. <laughs> yeah, if you try to do it one leg at a time, you could end up with some problems. And then you put on your round, your round glasses, put on your suspenders to keep up your baggy khakis. It's a good, it was a good time to be alive. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's move along. Yeah. Okay, I think, I think we're ready to. We've been describing smells and hairstyles. I think we've got to describe some sound now. Yeah. Let's, let's blow your speakers. Dad, dad, daddy-o. <laughs> so, a great thing about... what well, uh, going. No one wants to be in a coma, but it's one of those things that... that ha- unintended consequences, I guess, is the term. So one of the great things about coming out of a coma, besides just coming out of a coma, mm-hmm. is, is things... Our, our whole life has been elevated. We've got this great contract with Senor Burro de Oro, we're in this really nice gondola. We're making, we're kind of now, we haven't got our first check yet, but I've got a good feeling we're going to be making some good money. Oh, yeah. And some so now serious dough. we're living the good life now. And so we can finally afford to listen to, to music that's, that's more expensive, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're, I, Blow Your Speakers was my attempt to, to become a heavy metal elitist one album at a time. But now I can afford uh, you know, some, some, some more sophisticated music. So now I'm going to become a jazz enthusiast. A jazz bow? A jazz bow. Dad. Dad, dad, daddy-o. Dad. Dad, dad, daddy-o. One bebop and scat at a time. So It was always so embarrassing when I was a kid and I'd go to Sam Goody and I just couldn't afford to go into the jazz section. Yeah, you can't even go in there. And if you try to buy it, they'll say, this money's not good here. Yeah. You got to have better money. It's not even about the you gotta money. You got to have it's, an am- We only take American Express for right, jazz. A gold yeah. card. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about A Love Supreme, the 1965 album by John Coltrane, one of the most famous saxophonists there is, and, and one of the just huge pillars of jazz. I want to come out swinging. Slow Train, is that what they called him? Yeah, or Train. They call him a lot of guys in the documentary I watch call him Train. Ah. One of his buddies. So he did. I feel like every man, literally in the world, has one arc, one character arc in their life. It's it, it's it's the walk the line arc. You come out, you're kind of a a pissed off, spitting tough guy. You get really into drugs, and then you get really into God, and then yeah. you die. Yeah. If you didn't die at if you didn't die from the drugs, yeah. right? Yeah, and so th- this is ca- kind of what Go- John Coltrane's sto- story is. He, come, you know, he's the he has a terrible childhood. Goes into the military, uh, starts playing saxophone, gets addicted to heroin. Almost it almost destroys his life, and then he cleans up and gets real spiritual. And usually that's the point of the movies that I am annoyed. Like this, I'm like, keep being on drugs. You're a lot more fun. <laughs> like, walk the line. Johnny, Johnny Cash was at his best when he was, you know, throwing beer bottles at people and, and in prisons, spitting and stuff. <laughs> but, the, but in this case, John Coltrane, once he found God, he, he, he was so inspired. And it probably wasn't finding God as much as cleaning up from heroin. <laughs> That helps, yeah. He suddenly became super prolific, and his ideas started shooting out of him, and he was able to 
he'd already written and performed like 20 albums or something at the point where he made a love supreme. But, uh, like I said, I watched this documentary called, Oh, what the hell is it called? I'm spacing it now. Ah, God. Damn it. I'll, I'll look that up. It's the most, yeah, it's, it's the most recent John Coltrane documentary. Yeah. But in it, it, they interview lots of other musicians and, there, there's this part where, where Santana starts crying about how great La Love Supreme is. And he, and he talks about how whenever he goes into a hotel room to get the bad spirits out, he lights some, some incense. And I guess he does this while touring and then listens to A Love Supreme all the way through, which I just love wow. that idea. I, just, I don't know why, but it just, it was just, it's such a cool, weird glimpse into Santana's life. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought I'd... I'd get one of those. Right. This is this is like young Guy Fieri. You know, this is, these are like glimpses that I really enjoy. Yeah. And so I, that just really latched onto my brain. And so after seeing this documentary, I, I'd been listening to a few different John Coltrane records, but I started listening to A Love Supreme a bunch. And it is incredible. It's it's really, it's really a, an, an like, it's one of those things. You, the thing I liked about metal when I f- was first getting into it is I, a lot of the genres I didn't understand. I would listen to them, and I just it all sounded the same, or it sounded like noise, and the more you got into it, the more you could kind of hear what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. And the more I understood it, the more impressed I was by different things, you know, and you could really see what these, peop- these artists were doing. Yeah. And jazz is one of those things that a lot of it, to the untrained ear, just sounds kind of like noise. You know, it's just like, it's either, yeah, to me, I mean, there's stuff I enjoy because I don't hate it, uh-huh. um, but it either sounds like noise, like just a bunch of notes, right? or it's just background music while you're in a hotel lobby. That you don't even notice Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll listen to some Oscar Peterson when I'm working, and I really like it, but I'm not noticing it, like, on a musical level. I'm noticing it just on... Like, yeah, I, yeah, and I should I should specify when I say jazz, like, that's... It just like metal when there's a right. thousand different yeah. subgenres. Uh, Love Supreme is l- I am 1965. Super curious about all this. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's in the modal jazz, which is I totally I don't totally understand what modal jazz is exactly. I know when I hear it, just like pornography, you know, uh-huh. you know when you see it. Yeah, I kind of know what it sounds like, but I don't really know how to describe it as as well. But this is kind of in modal jazz, and then free jazz, which is kind of the the squawky crazy shit. That's, yeah. That just sounds like noise to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of takes elements of hard bop, which is sort of the jazz movement that came right before it, which is more like what you think of when you think of jazz. Like what you're describing, where it's more, it's not quite background music, but it's more, it's not quite bonkers. It's not quite as like improv. Okay, yeah, so, not, so hard bop is what is probably what most people think of when they think of jazz music, maybe. I don't know if I would go that far, but I think it's, ve- it's, like pretty, where really... it's pretty standard jazz. It's, yeah. This is like 1950s jazz, late yeah. 40s jazz. It's kind of, so yeah, I think, but it's not, it might actually be, because before that it was a little more big bandy and stuff, and I'm going to yeah. explore all this. That's the whole point of this dad, dad, daddy-o. But he also uh, incorporated a little bit of gospel music because he, he was very spiritual. So when, when John Coltrane wrote A Love Supreme, he went into his attic for two weeks, all day, every day. Huh. And his wife was just downstairs, you know, making him sandwiches, and he'd eat, you know, once every other day and all that kind of stuff. He was just working day and night frantically. And when he came down, it was completely done. So this was the first work where he went into the studio with everything written out, which once you hear it, is almost impossible to believe because it has that improvisational craziness yeah. That you would think like, oh, he just went in there, you know, huffed a bunch of paint and went fucking crazy, <laughs> you know, just he just played for hours. But they recorded this in one day, that and and he and they one day? Be, yeah one day yeah they because he worked so much beforehand yeah. perfecting it on paper and in his mind, and then oh and he, of course all these guys are such pros yeah they, they if it's all they can just play the music off the sheet right these guys good. being yeah these guys being what is considered John Coltrane's classic quartet, which was pianist McCoy, is it, I think it's Tyner, bassist Jimmy Garrison, and drummer Elvin Jones. And they recorded about, I think, about eight albums together, and, they, and they're sort of considered the quintessential quartet group hmm. because they're all, like you said, like at the absolute height of their craft, the best 
drummer and the best bassist, the best guys you're going to find. Yeah. And John Coltrane was like on another level. He was like an alien. Like he was, he was, he was in outer space, the stuff he was doing. It's a, uh, it's a four part suite. So it's four songs, each one being around eight to 10 minutes long. Mm. And they kind of bookend each other. The, the, the stuff he's doing at the beginning kind of ends the same way. And it is, it's such a great record. I loved it so much. And the more I listen, it's one of those records, the more you listen to it, the more you'll appreciate it, the more you'll like it. And something that's really fun to do with jazz is, you know, it's harder to do, to do with metal because it's so loud and so many of the, the instruments kind of bleed together. But in jazz, you've got four guys. There's nobody singing, so you're not distracted by vocals. Yeah. And what's fun, what I think is a lot of fun to do in jazz is listen to this record four times, and each time listen to one instrument. Ooh, try to try yeah. to try to focus just on yeah. the drums, and then try to focus just on the bass. And and it's kind of it's really fun, and it's really cool to see, just how, it's I, I don't really know a lot of other music genres where you everybody is kind of just doing what they want you know yeah like uh, the way that jazz is structured is is kind of revolving around a few basic notes and then everybody is going off and doing different stuff in a love supreme was a lot more structured but but just by nature jazz is improvisational yeah and it's it's different every time that's why there's so many live albums like a lot of a lot of genres of music you're like why the hell would i listen to a live album like a shittier version of their <laughs> studio album right I mean, you want to you want to hear just like a crappier nirvana song listen to a live album yeah but jazz is one of the and this is kind of it's true for like the grateful dead or something other bands that do improvisation is you're going to get a unique performance you know it's going to be some pram within the parameters of the original song, but you're going to get kind of a new song yeah. every time you hear it. And so this is, I feel like a really strong album to come out on for our show. The first, like the first episode of, of this new jazz journey, because this, it's going to maybe just be downhill from here. Cause this is, <laughs> yeah. this is a great album. Well, yeah, I'm reading here. It's just considered one of the greatest albums period. Yeah. Not, not just jazz. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, it really is. And it might take a couple listens to get into if you're not familiar with jazz. You might it might sound like a lot of noise, but give it a chance. And it's every time I listen to it, and at this point I've listened to it like a hundred times or more. It's it's really incredible. And there is some kind of vocal thing on it, or yeah, that's my favorite thing. I so towards the end of the first movement, uh, John is just saying it's almost like a mantra. He's just going, "I love supreme, I love supreme." And he says it 19 times, I think I read. And when you're listening to it, I always sing along. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and after I listen to the album, usually for the next few hours, I'll just find myself going, I love Supreme, <laughs> I love Supreme. And I think it's meant to be almost like a spiritual kind of mantra thing, like yeah. chanting that monks do or something, you know. And then there's this that I'm reading where he plays a poem, but he plays the poem on his sax. Yeah, dude. Did you I, read that? I didn't read that. What, what's it? In, the, in the final movement, Coltrane performs what he calls a musical narration of a devotional poem he included in the lighter notes. That is, Coltrane plays the words of the poem on his saxophone, but does not actually speak them. I see. I, 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 I'm telling you, this guy is from outer space. Yeah. He was on another level. Watching this, the documentary, the, the Chasing Train, that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Chasing Train. So go go out and watch Chasing Train. I don't know if it's it's probably on it's on all your your internet bullshit by now. And but, then he died at forty. Yeah. So he, yeah. No, it's like damn. it's heart like pretty much at the height of his creativity. It's it's yeah. That's the way it always is, man. Yeah. You never have like you never hear about a serial killer that died tragically at twenty five. <laughs> those guys those guys live to be eighty ninety. Yeah. You know, Charles Manson's still around. Yeah, yeah, he's going strong. He's going strong, feeling great, looking great. <laughs> and John Coltrane, you know, all he brought to the earth was love and and music. And yep, got to check that, check him out. Get get rid yeah. of him. Yeah. So yeah, he. I think he was about thirty seven when, like, this is the tail end of his life when this album came out. I think he only released a few more albums before he died. Huh. So yeah, check it out. I love Supreme. 
Well, most of the emails we got when we were in our coma uh, centered around one common theme. Mm-hmm. When are you going to be back? Right. So it's now. We're back now. All right. We're going to announce it right now. We yeah. are coming back right now. This Friday. This Friday. We are back. Mm-hmm. So thanks for hanging in there. Um, I guess that's it. Hit us up on Facebook. I think that's the really the easiest way to, to communicate right. with us. Logging out of your personal email and into the podcast email, that's a pain. Right. Twitter. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It takes so much time. Twitter. Who even knows what Twitter is? But do follow us on Instagram. We are uh, World Champion Pod on Instagram. Smogville Fair on Twitter, which we might have to change legally. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, we'll see. And then Facebook, just look for World Champion Podcast or type in World Champion Podcast and hit us up. If you do need to email us, it's worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're going to be hitting up some of our classic, very, very popular segments. We've got some new stuff planned. Mm-hmm. We've got some very exciting things in store for season three. Right. So, and write in. Let us know what, what we missed while we were in a coma. Like topics that, you, that we should have done. Oh, yeah. If there's anything in the news... I mean, not really the news. We don't want to do the news. <laughs> news is bad. Yeah. I'm glad we were in the coma. I know. Thank God. It's been the only break I've had this year from the news. Yeah. What a what sweet relief. <laughs> sweet, well, When sweet they woke relief. me up and they said, you've been in a coma for, for three months, I said, just five more minutes.